Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Wealth Management and Sauna Family Office. We are always looking for unique ways to educate our client families and get in touch with new clients, business owners, and business families. At Sauna Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. This week on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast, given we had the federal government release their first budget in two years, we thought it appropriate to have our own Cheryl Norton, CPA and Regional Vice President of CI Asante Private Client, along with Brian Hubble, CPA, CGA, and Principal at Manning Elliott. He's a key member of their tax department with the expertise in both personal and corporate tax planning. Let's bring in Cheryl and Brian to talk about what did and did not happen in yesterday's April 19th, 2021 federal budget. Cheryl, Brian, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy days to do this, especially you, Brian, given you're uh, in the middle of uh, tax season and you are the tax specialist for Manning Elliott. Uh, so much appreciated and uh, welcome. Uh, thought I'd start out uh, and with this session that would uh, just give a little bit of a quick overview. We've now got our uh, 2021 uh, budget from uh, the federal government, first one in a couple of years, uh, and just give a little bit of an overview. And then we'll talk about uh, business uh, the business side of it and aspects, and also the personal side in the aspects. So as a brief overview, uh, there were no capital gains inclusions, uh, uh, rate changes, no changes to principal resident exemption. Uh, these two items were highly anticipated and talked about a lot prior to the budget. Uh, there were no increases uh, to tax rates, personal or corporate. There were extensions of existing uh, COVID measures until September 25th, 2021. Um, Brian, Cheryl, any comments on uh, those uh, opening remarks? I think that it's notable that of the things that really weren't included in the budget. Uh, those things like the no changes to any of the tax rates. Uh, no change to the capital gains inclusion rates. Uh, those were matters or things that were given a lot of attention prior to coming up to the budget. Uh, a lot of concern that uh, the government would tax principal residences, uh, kind of given the what we've seen happen in the real estate market and housing prices just take off. Uh, so I think that uh, you, that no tax increases, uh, that's, or very few tax increases, I should say, uh, we will get, we will, because we will later get, uh, get to one, uh, is a, a very good thing, uh, at least uh, if it comes down to this being a pre-election budget. Yeah, I agree, Brian. And I think next year, we'll uh, see what, what comes down then. But I was reading some articles that said, the shoe hasn't dropped yet, but maybe we should be anticipating more increases next year. And who knows, maybe not, but um, good to see none, none in this budget for sure. Yeah, I think you guys are uh, hit the nail on the head there. Um, and I think the government did the right thing. It was the wrong time 
to uh, be putting the brakes on and hiking up uh, taxes and uh, start stifling uh, uh, the economic development and uh, prosperity that's going on right now. We need it. Um, Interesting, though, uh, because what it does and what always happens with these budgets is it's the uh, the budget lottery. Uh, do we uh, do some pre-tax, uh, pre-budget planning and uh, trigger taxes, et cetera, beforehand or not? Uh, and some people feel like maybe they, uh, they just lost the lottery because uh, they had triggered a bunch of gains unnecessarily uh, just because they expected that uh, there would be an inclusion rate. So... Um, always take a chance when you do that kind of planning, but um, in the end, it's not the end of the world. Uh, if we break this down into the two sections, then um, if we're looking at business owners, uh, what kind of announcements did we have in this federal budget for our business owners? Cheryl, maybe I can go to you first. Okay, John, I'll grab uh, the first one here. There was an extension of certain timelines for the Canadian film and video production tax credits. Particularly, um, I was interested in this one. My husband does work in film, so it affects our family directly. Um, And there was also a temporary extension of the film or video production services tax credits. So I think that's an important one just to note here, especially, I mean, across Canada, but definitely a big one for the lower mainland of Vancouver area here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, that's a huge industry for us. And that's a, a, a big reason. I mean, we've got great talent uh, in the lower mainland and across Canada, um, but make no bones about it. The reason why that they film here is because uh, uh, they have the tax credits and they can save money and uh, it, uh, it helps for profitability of uh, in the uh, industry. So uh, Brian, your turn. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, make mention there's uh, for CCPCs, uh, the government is like, we're all familiar with the accelerated uh, CCA uh, investment incentive that allows for faster write off of uh, a lot of uh, equipment and uh, that are are being purchased. And the government is actually expanding that program to allow for CCPCs to fully deduct uh, the cost of equipment uh, and other capital uh, assets other than long-lived assets, things like buildings, uh, goodwill. uh, So those things that uh, are gonna be around for a long, long time. But your equipment, like so if you're buying a a new truck for your, your business, you're gonna be able to deduct that full cost as long as it's purchased after uh, April April 18 and put in use before January 2024. So I think that's really gonna help businesses or re- a real encouragement for businesses to invest in uh, new equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they're trying to encourage, isn't it? Investment, uh, reinvestment back into the economy, back into the businesses. And just for us neophytes, uh, Brian, can you uh, expand what uh, CCPC stands for? So that's your typical uh, private company. That's a Canadian controlled private corporation. Yeah. And just to expand on that one a little bit, because I actually was talking to some clients about this already this morning. Um, 
how they've written or put this rule in is instead of saying what does qualify for the immediate expensing, they've actually, they actually have a list of things that do not qualify. So long lived assets like land, or if you're purchasing a building, those will not qualify. So they've listed here assets that do not qualify for immediate expensing. And then I guess the theory would be all other assets would qualify. So that's, um, that's good news. And, and like you said, John definitely promotes spending. Great. And then um, I'll take the, there was temporary measures to reduce corporate income tax rates for qualifying zero emission technology manufacturers. And there was also an expansion of the CCA classes for clean energy equipment. So pretty in line with this government um, to sort of restart the economy in a, a green way. Those um, tax rates corporately have been reduced down to 7.5% if the income would otherwise have been taxed at that there's a 15% general corporate rate. And it actually reduces it down to 4.5% if the income would have been taxed at the 9% small business rate. So federally, there's a rate reduction for zero emission technology that qualifies under this proposal. Um, the capital cost allowance pools for clean energy was expanded. So there's a list of further things that be, can be included in those particular classes. Great. So when, once again, what they're trying to do is uh, through the tax system, uh, encourage and stimulate growth in certain areas uh, in the direction of what in which the government wants to see us expand. Correct. Okay. And uh, I, I couldn't help but uh, I think, Cheryl, as you said, I'll take this. You reminded me that it would feel like we're playing that game show. I, I never really watch much game shows, but I remember seeing there's one. I'll take uh, uh, music in the 60s for yeah. 500, please. <laughs> Feels like trivia. I love game shows. So There you go. <laughs> uh, and Brian, uh, is there another one on the business list there? Yeah, so uh, the, the government is going to engage in some consultations around uh, minimizing or trying to reduce the amount of or exposure to um, aggressive tax planning. Uh, and so what they're, what they're looking to do is uh, introduce some mandatory disclosure requirements where if you've engaged in certain types of transactions that are, uh, that are more aggressive and the outcomes uh, under, under a CRA audit may not be as certain, to require you there to be some additional reporting around that. Uh, there's, they're going to have further discussion on uh, with respect to that. Uh, they're looking to uh, strengthen rules of, around avoiding uh, tax debts and the transfer of various ass of assets uh, between non-arm's length parties and, and, and strengthening CRA's ability to carry out their audits through uh, compelling various people to perform interviews uh, and uh, have dis those discussions with the CRA. Yeah, essentially, this one was super interesting, I found, because it's pretty broad right now, 
but they're asking for consultation. And I'm sure, Brian, your firm will probably be sending in some comments. A lot of tax professionals across Canada will be sending their their comments in about this. Um, but yeah, it required disclosure of reportable transactions. So you're essentially telling them, hey, here's my transaction that I just did. And it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but the audit period for that particular reportable transaction can stay open longer than typical audit periods that we see right now. Yes, they're going to to want to keep those periods open longer because generally those are more complex types transactions that uh, taxpayers may be entering into. And it's always difficult when you see these types of transactions where the government wants to require taxpayers to report because that's kind of reporting on yourself saying, hey, come look at this particular thing. I'm telling you something that you should come and let and look at. So that's that's always from a tax uh, planning or uh, a taxpayer perspective is always a bit difficult when the so, government's asking you to do that. So really they're making you jump up and down, wave your hand and say, pick me, pick me. Yeah. Turn the spotlight on yourself. Right. <laughs> so uh, Brian, how long is uh, typically a consultation period like this? Uh, they'll typically go around uh, 90 days. Yeah, I think it's actually open until, I think I was reading that it's open until September for this consultation. I can't remember the exact date in September, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if the consultation paper, the draft has actually gone out yet. Uh, So they'll, they'll release a white paper that will outline, this is what we want to do. These are the proposed measures, uh, ask for uh, comment on, and they're, so they're looking at things on like concerning the effectiveness of, of those rules, you know, do they go, uh, do they go far enough? Uh, does it, is it going to capture what it is, you know, uh, the transactions that they're looking to try and address? All right. And then uh, just for mechanics of this, so people understand, uh, is that something that they would bring back to the next budget then and uh, uh, implement more specific measures? Typically, that's, that's what they would do. And just uh, to provide a little bit of context, these are the reportable transactions. They're typically looking at businesses that have assets in excess of 50 million. So it's large businesses, not, uh, not, not the small uh, privately owned businesses. Generally, these are much more larger, sophisticated uh, business enterprises. Perfect. So I can go ahead with what we were planning to do, what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, all right, then. Any other comments from either one of you on the business side of things? I did want to make some uh, just some comments about uh, the extension of some of the COVID uh, uh, subsidies. So the government is, you know, they're extending the, uh, the Canada emergency wage subsidy, the Canada emergency rent subsidy uh, until September 25th. But we do see in the budget that the government is expecting that the, rec- the need for those programs uh, to be reduced. And so the benefits under those subsidies will be reduced through the summer. Uh, so that you know, by the time we get to August and September, 
the maximums that you can get through, uh, through those programs will, uh, will be about half of what they are so that uh, so they're expecting the, the economy to be growing and getting back to full production here through September, just uh, coinciding with when they expect everyone uh, will have a chance to be vaccinated. Yeah. All right. Good thoughts and thanks for that. Uh, let's shift over to the personal side. Um, uh, let's go, I, boy, I can't even remember whose turn it was. Cheryl, I think it's yours. Uh, uh, pick one on there. What's, what's a new uh, thing that happened under the personal side for the federal budget? All right. So I guess sticking to family, because I mentioned my husband works in film and I grabbed that one. I will uh, take one for my mother-in-law, who I'm going to call tonight and let her know that Justin Trudeau gave her a raise on her OAS. So OAS is increasing for individuals that are over age 75. Uh, she will be 80 this year, so she will get that increase. And then there's a one-time payment as well that's coming out to those individuals over age 75 in, I believe it's August, but in the summer. Okay, great. And that's, uh, that's assuming you're not uh, at what kind of income, Cheryl, uh, yeah, Ryan, that uh, they just start taking it all back again. Good point, John. You do have to be, OAS has a clawback mechanism that starts at around 79,000 of income and gets fully clawed back by about 120-ish. I'm, I'm guess, I'm not, I'm doing approximate numbers here. Um, and this, this increase is not for everybody. It's only for those individuals over age 75. And it is a 10% increase as well. I didn't mention that, that it's a 10%. But if you are in a higher tax bracket, then yes, you do get your OAS clawed back when you file your tax return each year. So in theory, they would still get the increase, the, the raise, but then when they file their tax return, it could be clawed back. Right. And then uh, it, when somebody, let me give you this scenario, um, and you may or may not know this, but uh, if somebody is 74 this year, and then next year they turn 75, do they get that increase at 75? Is that a permanent increase? So over the age of 75, so they would have had to have turned 75. OAS is based on a July 1st calendar it's not a calendar year it's July 1st until June 30th of the following year mm -hmm. so for this upcoming July 1st 2021 they would need to be over 75 and and so is it just a, a one time uh, or is it a um is that a uh, a permanent bump permanent in, for bump those okay is so my understanding yeah okay Brian, yeah, anything to add to that one? There's, there's, I believe there's two components to, to this. One being a one-time, I believe it's a $500 payment uh, that will be coming out in August. And then uh, also a perm, as Cheryl mentioned, a permanent bump uh, increase to OAS, which will apply to individuals who are 75 or older. Okay. And that, that one-time bump, is that uh, for all people receiving OAS? No, they have to be 75 or older. For that too? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in, let me count how many 20, I can do <laughs> math, but when, when I hit 75, I don't get that 500 bucks is what you're saying? 
we'll have to see what the program is then, John. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's actually not that far away. I should be able to do the math. <laughs> uh, Brian, your pick. Okay. Uh, and the government uh, is actually making some changes uh, to the disability tax credit and uh, those who qualify for the disability tax credit. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, various groups have uh, lobbied the government asking for relief, asking them to expand the uh, situations and cases when uh, individuals are eligible for the disability tax credit. And it sounds like they're listening. Uh, so uh, they're, they're going to increase uh, the uh, conditions and the situations in which people can qualify uh, to include situations of mental function, uh, uh, perception, and various others. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to be really well received by people who won't you know, have previously not been eligible. Uh, and, and so that eligibility helps not just with the disability tax credit, but also for things like the registered disability savings plans uh, and perhaps access to uh, other benefits. Yeah, that's uh, that tax credit is often misunderstood. And the way that I sometimes will describe it is that's a gateway tax credit. That's one that you need to qualify and other benefits flow from that. So very important to pay attention to and the broadening of the ability to get that is a very welcome thing. Yeah. Cheryl, back to you. All right. I think that Brian actually alluded to this at the beginning of our conversation. So there was one tax measure that did increase tax. And this, I, I believe this might be what Brian was referring to, but there's a new luxury tax. So this was sort of expected. It was talked about a little bit before the budget came out, you know, to, that we're going to need some tax increases and they are usually typically directed at the wealthy. So a new luxury tax on vehicles and aircrafts that are priced over 100,000 and boats that are priced over 250,000. It's a lesser of calculation. So it's either 10% of the total price or 20% of the amount, the spread. So it's not coming into force until January 1st of 2022. So in my mind, another encouragement perhaps to spend some of the money that you saved during COVID. If they're telling people there's going to be a new tax effective Jan 1 of next year, if you are planning to purchase something like this, it's a good time to get that purchase in now before the new tax comes in. Yeah. So Brian, you're going to have to uh, quickly go out there and get your new car, your new plane and your new boat all before the beginning of next year. And it I is wish. so I did. <laughs> it is for pleasure too. Of course, it, I mean if there's a helicopter being purchased but it's for business reasons, this new tax would not apply if it was for business reasons. Okay, so, so then, it is pleasure. Yeah. Our, so there's some tax planning in here uh, Brian that means that if we slip that new helicopter into the business, we can miss this luxury tax and we get accelerated uh, depreciation. 
Uh, or you'll have a taxable benefit for your personal <laughs> use and it might be a reportable transaction. All right. That could be one of those where it's the wave the flag, pick me. This is a transaction. <laughs> all right. This is not tax planning advice, everybody. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Brian. Yeah. So uh, one other thing that the government had talked about back in, in November when we had the fiscal last fiscal update uh, was looking at uh, vacant housing. And in the budget, the government uh, put a little bit more uh, around that, and they're looking at introducing a vacant or uh, homes or speculation tax that would apply nationally to individuals who own residential housing and those individuals are not Canadian citizens or, per, or permanent residents and are not uh, otherwise resident in Canada. So it's what they're looking at is a tax of 1% on the fair market value of the property. And so individuals who are neither Canadian resident or Canadian permanent, uh, permanent residents or sorry, Canadian citizens or Canadian permanent residents uh, would have to file a, a, an annual declaration. And if the property is just held for their occasional personal use, so it's not their home, it's not, uh, so it's not their primary residence and it's not uh, held and rented out, then they could be subject to this vacancy tax and this would all start on January 1, 2022. Oh, okay. And uh, just uh, curious, Brian, uh, because we, we know that uh, uh, Vancouver or BC has theirs, uh, would this be a, a, a double penalty or will this be something that they will, uh, provincial and federal, will meld together? Uh, well, right now they're in consultation and I haven't seen the draft, any draft, draft legislation at this point. So we're expecting more details that will be coming out here in the next few months. And we'll have to see if that will double up. We do know when we talk about uh, the situation in BC that we have BC has the speculation and vacancy tax and Vancouver has its own vacancy tax and individu individuals can be subject to both the, Vancou the Vancouver vacancy tax and the BC speculation tax for uh, vac vacant property. So it is possible that this could be something that will be in addition to what we already have. A federal component and a provincial component could be, I mean, that's the way our tax system already works, but just yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah, so we could have uh, federal, provincial, municipal. So uh, I don't know how you always manage this, Cheryl, but you get the last word. Well, the last <laughs> word for me is uh, that the federal minimum wage is to increase to $15 per hour. So that was another personal measure that was in the budget. Um, I think it's been talked about quite often. Uh, so cross, and they don't want to... Um, 
they don't want to interrupt any of the provinces that have already increased their federal, their sorry, their provincial minimum wage. So it's in line with the provinces, and it's not to override a province. So if there is a province that has a minimum wage higher than fifteen dollars, then the provincial minimum wage would be the one that is the winner there. Right, and so really, what they've done here is they've just uh, uh, raised the floor to fifteen dollars. All right, guys. Well, thank yeah. you. Uh, whoops, sorry, Brian. I was going to say it was. Uh, it is notable that uh, there was no. There's no discussion uh, of universal basic income in the budget documents. Uh, although we know that at the uh, the Liberal uh, convention that was held just a few weeks ago, it seemed that there was overwhelming support for it. So um, not this time, but uh, it could be something that could be coming in the future. Uh, also noted that there was no, there's no discussion of uh, business tra- intergenerational uh, business transfers. Uh, if we go back to the 20, 2019 federal budget, uh, they talk, the government talked about uh, in, engaging in consultations with uh, you know, business groups uh, and relevant stockholders and there doesn't seem to be any movement on that yet. Hopefully at some point there will be uh, some movement, uh, some guidance uh, and some relief for the intergenerational transfer of the family business. Yeah, because that that is really uh, left a lot of people up in the air and uh, not sure how to interpret uh, or uh, just finding it overly uh, 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 penalizing uh, for their uh, family situation. So hopefully they can work that one out sooner than later. Hopefully. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you both taking the time. Lots of food for thought. Uh, I know a lot of people were holding their breath with this budget coming down. And uh, I would have to say that uh, for the most part, it's, it's good news. Any, uh, any of that bad news has been delayed for now. Uh, so I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy days to help us uh, decipher what went on. And uh, as always, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to chatting to you uh, again soon. And if any more developments, we'll bring you back to discuss them. Thank awesome. you, John. Thanks, Thanks Cheryl. John. Thanks, John. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys. So you may have noticed me poking fun at my own tax planning questions. My wife, Kara, and I are in the middle of updating our planning from start to finish. And even though this is my area of specialty, when it's your own personal situation, you're not immune from thinking up crazy scenarios and crazy tax questions. So both Cheryl and Brian are on my team of advisors that I rely on not only to keep me on the straight and narrow, but to answer our questions and be our sounding board. If you have any questions on today's podcast or other issues, please feel free to reach out. You can reach us at 604-372-3372 or through our website, saunafamilyoffice.com. That's sauna, S-A-N-A, familyoffice.com. Looking forward to our next video podcast, we will have, as promised, Glenn Landry. We call him our sleep doctor. We have been lucky enough to have Glenn present to our clients in person. Yes, remember those days? And we will have him back in person when able. But until then, because he's a client favorite, 
I thought we would have him on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast for a little between session refresher. And for those who have not yet seen him, you are in for a treat. Our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. As well, if I could ask you to post a review. I'm no techie, but I'm told this really helps spread the word. So if you could, it would be very much appreciated. Every once in a while, I go back to our roots. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, the Swahili word, which is thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sauna, which means thank you very much. This name represents the gratitude towards all of the families and business owners who have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. So until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.